Welcome to this podcast from Wilkesboro Baptist Church, where we are on a mission to lead our neighbors and the nations to follow Jesus. Well, that was a quite appropriate song for what we're going to talk about in this worship service. So we're going to talk about our talk and learn to walk wisely in what we say. Uh, as I mentioned the last couple of weeks, the, these, these, some of these sermons are beating me up. Um, they are, because there's a lot that Scripture has to say about our character with regard to pride and humility and with regard to what we say and speak and how we say it. Uh, next week, we're going to look at anger and how we respond when things don't go like we want them to. book of Proverbs is full of commentary about what we would say. In fact, it is the single uh, largest topic in the book of Proverbs. There are about 90 Proverbs that deal with speech. So Solomon thought very highly of helping us to grasp, helping his readers to grasp, what it meant to use our tongues in a way that was wise as opposed to ways that are foolish. And it's kind of obvious, right? Because you and I speak a lot. One study observed that a person, an average American, speaks about 700 times a day. Now, uh, Pastor Tad and I have children that, that get a little bit above the 700 times a day, we're quite sure. Um, but we have a tendency to speak a lot. There are a lot of opportunities for us to say things Good or bad, say things that are well-intended, say things that are important, say things that matter, or say things that hurt and that destroy. To quote an old proverb that was referenced in one of my commentaries, uh, a saying goes this way, My son, sweeten thy tongue and make savory the opening of thy mouth, for the tail of a dog gives him bread, and his mouth gets him blows." Uh, How many of us, how many of our problems, how many of our difficulties, how many of our issues in life could have been solved if we had just not said that? That thing that disrupted the peace that was going on in the relationship. If you were to ask me, Pastor, do you have trouble putting your foot in your mouth? Here would be my answer. I'm a husband. All too often over the 18 years that I've been married, I have spoken too quickly or spoken too sharply or spoken too critically or or spoken out of line, out of turn, and it has disrupted the relationship that I have with my wife. If you're married, you get that. If you have children, you get that. And some of this sermon is going to feel like, my goodness, I feel guilty. There's a reason for that because we do need to be made aware of when we speak in a way that brings destruction as opposed to speaking in a way that brings life. Jesus made it abundantly clear in the New Testament, Matthew 13, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The reason our speech is so important is because it gives a window into the very condition of our heart. Jesus went on to say in that passage of Scripture, For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. You will give an account for every careless word you speak. That's Jesus saying that one day you and I are going to stand before the Creator of all things, the giver of language, the speaker of great words, the glorious God of the universe, and we're going to give an account for what we have said, good or bad. 
to use one proverb, and we'll read several others, but our theme proverb is Proverbs 18.21. It's in your worship guide, or if you can turn to it in your copy of Scripture. It, it reads this, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Folks, when we speak, when we open our mouths, or when we get out our smartphones to post on social media, or when we write anything that we do that declares words, we have the power of death and life every time we interact with speech. What we're going to do in this sermon is we're going to answer the, the observation when we speak or we speak destruction, when we, and we're going to use some proverbs that describe how we speak destruction. And we're going to use some Proverbs that, that do the opposite. When we uh, speak in this way, we speak life. So we're just going to let Proverbs 18.21 unpack our sermon outline for the rest of this time. And we're going to read some passages of Scripture in the book of Proverbs that reflect destruction and that reflect life in our tongue. So when we speak destruction or we speak destruction when we lie... When we are dishonest, Proverbs 10, 18 reads this, The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips are prudent. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. Or you could go on to Proverbs 12, 17. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. Verse 22 of 12. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who, are, who act faithfully are His delight. We speak destruction when we lie. Uh, I, I recently I remember sharing with you a, a, a book that I referenced a few weeks back on parenting, a collapse of parenting. And in that book, one of the things that Leonard Sachs observed was the prevalence of cheating in, in contemporary high schools and middle schools and colleges. It used to be that cheating was not common. And kind of today, cheating is the norm. If you don't cheat, you're the one who is abnormal in a school setting if you don't gain an advantage. And folks, that's dishonest. That's lying. When you take something that doesn't, that doesn't belong to you and pass it off as your own, that's a lie. That's not telling the truth. You say, Pastor, you know what? You're, you're, you're talking to us at church. Do we, do we really struggle with telling lies? Uh, do we really struggle with, 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 telling thing, with not saying things exactly Truthfully, let me, let me pick on preachers for a moment. Back in the day when I was a Bible college student, we used to have this, this, uh, this designation for illustrations. They're called preacher stories. And a preacher story in our lingo was a story that had been exaggerated by a preacher in order to make the story sound more wonderful or more implausible or more amazing. And I'll be honest with you, it's okay to exaggerate. There's a place for exaggeration when everybody knows you're exaggerating. But if you're giving an illustration that's not truthful, it's called lying. And if pastors can be guilty of that, if I can be guilty of that, then you can be guilty of that. And God does not think very highly of telling lies. Why? Because God speaks the truth. Think about it this way. When was the last time 
you had an opportunity to speak into a situation. Somebody asked you a very pointed question, and you sort of shaded the answer just a little bit. You slanted the answer just enough to make it seem like you were a little better than you really were in the circumstance. And you call that, a, we call that a black lie or a white, we call that a white lie, right? When you just tell a little, a little lie, well, little lies become big lies. But anytime we lie, we're being dishonest and deceitful. And let me say it this way. When we lie, we're not speaking life. We're speaking death. We're speaking something into a situation that will never turn out to the benefit of us, to the glory of God, or to the benefit of someone else. By the way, those of you that are in the room that are tempted to lie, maybe in your business, maybe in your relationships, maybe to not be completely truthful with your spouse, maybe to hide things from your spouse, not speaking the truth, or maybe to hide things from mom and dad, not speaking the truth, they ask you a pointed question, you tell a lie. Let me, let me just tell you this, God already knows there's no reason to lie. And by the way, God knows so much of what... He knows everything. And why do we lie? We lie because we don't want others to know what's really going on in our life and heart. We don't want to bear that particular part of our soul to that person, spouse, mom, dad, neighbor, friend, pastor, church member, whoever it is. So we shade the truth. We slant the story. We tell a lie thinking that maybe that person will think better of us because of what we've shared rather than sharing the truth. And I'm just here to tell you, God already knows what you've done. He already knows how bad it was or how good it was, and he's already willing to forgive you through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So your spouse, your pastor, your family member, your neighbor, your child, whoever it is you're telling a lie to, trust me, their opinion of you can't be any more accurate than God's is. And if God looks at you and says, I'm offering you forgiveness, if you'll be honest with me, then it doesn't, you ought to tell the truth. You ought to always tell the truth. Because that's what the gospel teaches us to do. But when we lie, what are we doing? We're speaking destruction. You want to damage a marriage relationship? Tell a lie to your spouse and own it and live in it and keep going with it. You, you want to damage a relationship with a child? Don't tell them the truth. You want to damage... Think about this. Let me share this story. My mom told me a story when I was growing up. She said her, her parents always told her, uh, sorry, I'm going to bust a bubble for a bunch of you that are watching Told, told the story about Santa Claus not being real, okay? And her parents told her that Santa Claus wasn't real at a young age. And why did her parents tell her that? Because they were trying to tell her the truth. In fact, there was a family member, a friend of hers, that turned away from Christ because her mom and dad told them about Santa Claus. And then when they were teenagers or a little before teenagers, told this daughter that Santa Claus was actually not real, and her daughter recognized that her parents had been lying to her. And her question back to her mom and dad was, well, if you've been lying to me about Santa Claus, are you lying to me about Jesus? He sounds too good to be true as well. I, I'm not trying to tell you how you parent, what you do about Santa Claus. I'm saying we need to tell the truth. When we speak lies, we speak destruction. Not just lies, when we speak gossip, we speak destruction. Gossip. Notice what Proverbs says about gossip. Proverbs 16, 27, and 28. A worthless man plots evil, and his speech is like a scorching fire. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisper separates close friends. 17, 9. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Gossip is, uh, is this kind of um, nice sin. 
If you struggle with pride, you're really sinful. But if you struggle with gossip, you're just sharing prayer requests. That's the way it functions in the church anyway. But when we whisper and when we tell stories that we're not supposed to tell, we separate. We, we create a situation of division and destruction. And it ends in devastation. It can break people's hearts. It can destroy relationships. You can't trust a person anymore when they go out and share something that they're not supposed to share. In confidence, gossip is destructive. Spurgeon put it this way. He said, gossip emits a threefold poison. For it injures the teller, the hearer, and the person concerning whom the tale is told. Gossip does never help the circumstances. One lady was convicted about her gossip and she went to... She was not a Baptist. She went to... It was in a different religious tradition. So she went to her priest to, to share her sins of gossip. And she shared her sin of gossip, speaking out of turn. And uh, the priest absolved her of her sin and, and gave her this assignment for penance. He said, go home and get a hen. And when you get the hen, walk back to me, plucking the feathers of the hen and dropping them along the path as you, as you come this way. So she did that and she went back to her confessor, the person she was confessing to. She said, I followed through on your assignment. And he said, he looked at her and he said this. Now go back home and pick up all the feathers that you dropped along the way. She said, that's impossible. The wind's already blown the feathers away. He said, exactly right. Once the feathers are scattered by the wind, it is likewise impossible to go back and pick up the damage that you've done from the words that you've left behind that are destructive and problematic. We speak destruction when we gossip. If you wonder whether or not you should tell that story, don't. If you, if you wonder whether or not you should ask for prayer for somebody and use that as a means of gossip, share a, a, a vague prayer request. Do you recognize God knows just as well as I do what's going on in the world? Well, better than I do what's going on in the world. My point is, if we share a prayer, prayer request, hey, I've got a prayer request, can't share what it is, can't share what's going on, God knows and he can answer it just as well as he could if you tell everybody what's going on in the circumstance and situation. But we destroy when we gossip. More churches have been damaged and destroyed by gossips than they have by hardly any other sin that goes on in the life of of followers of Jesus. We speak destruction when we gossip. How about this one though? We speak destruction when we speak too often. Proverbs 15, 28. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Uh, Proverbs 29, 11, A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Sometimes we're just guilty of talking too much. Church member asked me a couple weeks back, uh, Pastor, how you doing? Because, you know, you're preaching on Wednesday and you're preaching three times on Sunday. Are you making it? Are you able to, walk, to, to handle that, that many sermons? And I looked at him, and quite honestly, I said, uh, well, it, it's okay for me. I kind of like to hear myself talk, so I don't mind preaching three times on Sunday. It really doesn't bother me. I got thinking about that in light of this sermon and, and how true that is for so many of us. We like to hear ourselves talk. 
We like to be the expert. We like to speak in the circumstances and situations. And the reality is, the more we talk, the more we speak, the more we share, the more opportunities we have to say things that are not honest or out of turn or they say things that are gossipy or say things that are not true. And when we speak too often, we can get ourselves in trouble. I mean, how many of you have, have received those, uh, those forwarded emails that tell about the last disaster or catastrophe among a person's life only to find out after you forwarded the email that it was from a non-true news source? Like it was fake, real true fake news that was being spread virally and you discovered it wasn't true? I've had that happen in my own life, in my own experience before. Listen, when we speak too often, we get ourselves in trouble. It's a means of speaking death. And, and this is where the, the, this sermon begins to meddle, not just with what we say with our lips, but what we might share or spew on social media platforms. T.S. Eliot asked this question, the famous poet who became a follower of Jesus insightful questions. Where is the life we have lost in living? Where is the wisdom we have lost in knowledge? And where is the knowledge we have lost in information? Those are insightful questions asked decades ago. And we live in the 2020s now where if you want to know it, you can find it out in three clicks. You can ask Google any question that you want to ask. You can go to Twitter or to Facebook or to TikTok or to Instagram or to any mainstream news source and get whatever information you would like to get. And if you really prefer, you can stay in your own echo chamber and not listen to any view that's outside your viewpoint that you already walk into that, uh, that particular news feed with. We have so much in information that we're inundated with. And what that teaches us to do, it teaches us to see a lot of information but not to really process the information that we see and reflect on it and think on it. And, and this has become tremendously detrimental for followers of Jesus, and in particular for those in Christian leadership. There's a temptation and a tendency to feel like we need to speak to everything that's going on in the world. We need to be an expert on foreign policy and what we're doing in, in the world. And we need to be an expert on, on this disaster or this abuse scandal or this issue or that issue. And, we, and what, what we do, sometimes we get in on the wrong platform and instead of talking about it in a way that there's a solution, we go on social media and we talk about it in a way that we're just not informed. And we speak too much and we create problems. This happened recently during the Olympics. Uh, if you paid any attention to the Olympics and like the Olympics, you know that Simone Biles withdrew from competition, uh, citing mental stress. I don't know what's going on in her heart and life. You don't know what's going on in her heart and life. But man, a lot of pundits on news channels knew what was going on in her heart and life. Some of them were applauding her and bragging on that decision, and others were criticizing her and, and, and calling her out. And I, I'll be honest with you, some of those folks were Christians who were spewing all kind of things, they don't know what's going on in her heart and life. I don't know what's going on in her heart and life. And when you don't really know, do you know the best thing you can do? Just be quiet. I think part of what's going on in society, and this, isn't, this didn't come from me, this came from a news article I read on this very subject, we're functioning like the enemy wants us to function. If you remember the, the wonderful story by C.S. Lewis, uh, the screw tape letters, the demon in that story it tells Wormwood, he says this, All extremes except extreme devotion to the enemy, that is God, 
are to be encouraged. And folks, what we have with social media platforms and our ability to comment and opine on every issue that's going on in the world is the opportunity to speak from the extremes or speak from ignorance. Even years ago, as we were thinking about Facebook and social media and Twitter and all those things, one of the things that I lamented is that it gave people a platform that really had no business speaking on any issue whatsoever. And that's where we are in our world today. And all too often, we as Christians are guilty of pursuing that kind of methodology with what we would say or what we would post or what we would repost or what we would speak to on a social media platform. And part of it's because we don't pause to think. Folks, when we speak too often, we speak destruction. So how do we speak life? Well, it's obvious where I'm going to go here. We speak life sometimes when we're silent. We speak life sometimes when we are silent. One of the greatest Proverbs of all time is Proverbs 17, 28. Solomon even gives credit to a fool. He says this, Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Do you realize that sometimes the most life-giving thing we can do is to sit down and shut up? Sometimes the most life-giving thing we can speak without using our tongues is the art of listening and the art of being in someone's presence. You can look back to the, to the book of Job for an illustration of this. Job's three friends were the greatest three friends until they opened their mouths. And when they sat there and when they suffered alongside him, they were fantastic comforters. And then they opened their mouths and spewed all kinds of things that weren't true. And they, 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 there's a whole book about all the things that they said that weren't true. And you get to the end of the book and God says, these men have spoken not right about me. Sometimes, folks, you don't know what to say. That's not a bad thing. So don't say anything at all. Sometimes we speak life when we are silent. Sometimes we speak life when we speak aptly or speak in a moment where a word needs to be spoken. This takes wisdom to do this well. If you look at Proverbs 15, 23, to make an apt answer is a joy to a man and a word in season, how good it is. Proverbs 25, 11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Sometimes saying the right thing in the right moment, in the right situation, can just help someone to know that they're loved, that they're heard, that they're listened to, and that is life-giving. I remember when, uh, when we, before we had children, we were visiting my family in Kentucky, and we were visiting with my brother and uh, brother-in-law and sister, and they had their daughter, Katie. At the time, she was two. She was the first grandchild in our family, so obviously she's the favorite grandchild in our family. Some of y'all know how that is, and, and, and God curse you grandparents if you have favorites with your grandchildren. Don't do that. Treat all your grandchildren the same. Love them equally. Anyway, I'm going to stop there preaching to you grandparents because I know it may not do any good. I'm going to say this to my dad on Sunday as he's sitting here in the worship service too. So I just want you to know that. Anyway, we were with, with them riding around in the car. And two-year-olds just have the greatest way of saying things. And the great, I mean, you just love to hear little ones talk. 
And, and we were sitting there talking in the car and, and riding around. And, 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 uh, and we, we looked at Katie and we, we said, say something funny. I just want to hear her say something funny. So in her two-year-old mind, she looked at all of us with the brightest eyes, most innocent face, and she said, something funny. And we just rolled. It was, the, it was an apt word at an apt moment. There's no way I could repeat that. No way I could make it feel like it did in that car when we just laughed. And you know how that is. You're in a conversation with somebody and they just say something that's hilarious and it's appropriate and it's funny and it's humorous and you laugh and everybody, it, there's just joy there. Same thing can be said when we speak a word of encouragement. The same thing can be said when we speak a good word to someone's life. Somebody in your life could use a word of encouragement from you. Man, it's all too easy to speak words that are critical. It's all too easy to speak words that are corrective. And sometimes as parents, we need to be corrective. Sometimes we as adults, we need to be corrected. And somebody needs to speak in our lives. And I'm going to tell you something. There are a lot of people correcting a lot of people in the world. There are a lot of people criticizing a lot of people in the world. And we as followers of Jesus should speak words that are apt, that are encouraging, that are meaningful, that are helpful. Let me give you an aside assignment. I'm going to give you a big assignment in a moment. Here's an aside assignment. How about you find somebody in the next 24 hours that you just pray about and think, who needs a word of encouragement? And go out of your way to give it. What I mean is, if normally you text, call them. Or if normally you call them, write them a letter. Or if normally you email, then sit down and pen them a handwritten note. Just write a word of encouragement to somebody. Be a person who speaks a word in an apt moment to be an encouragement. We speak life and we speak aptly. Finally, we speak life and we speak good news. When we speak good news. Proverbs 16, 24 reads this. Gracious words are like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Did you get that gracious words? We sang some gracious words just a few minutes ago. And, and isn't it encouraging to know what God says about us, what God thinks about us, what God speaks to us? God doesn't speak to us based on what we deserve. If he did, we, he could condemn us all to hell. He speaks to us out of grace, out of abundance of mercy and not giving us what we deserve, but abundantly giving us more than we deserve. Gracious words. And you know what? When we speak the gospel, we speak gracious words to the lives of those desperate for forgiveness and salvation. Uh, my favorite proverb, I've mentioned this before, but like cold water to a thirsty soul is good news from a far country. When we speak the gospel, we speak in a way that brings refreshing life, good life, life that is wonderful to people uh, that desperately need to hear it. I'm just going to be honest with you, there, there's a lot that is going on in my own life and I know in your life that is weighty. Over the last several weeks, I, I have felt burdened by situations and the, the things that people are going through and decisions that have to be made and nothing overwhelming, just a lot. And there are times that, that, that I come into worship service, I even, I, even, I even talked this afternoon, I mean, you know, I've got to preach this afternoon. There's so much that went on today, and am I going to be ready to do that? I came in the worship service, and I really needed to hear the music. And I really needed to focus my attention on the Lord, not myself. And I got to stand in here singing the songs. And you know what I got to thinking? I get to tell the good news of Jesus. 
Every time that I preach, I get to stand before a congregation in the room. Some of you are watching at home, and I get to tell you the good news of Jesus. I get to tell you that your life may be bad and awful and full of sin and depravity and wickedness, but God loves you no matter what you've done and no matter where you've been. I get to look at folks and tell them that no matter their past, God has promised them an eternal future through Jesus Christ. I get to look at folks and tell them, hey, listen, if you trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he'll cleanse you of that unrighteousness. He'll forgive you of that wickedness. He'll wash away that hurt. He'll take away that brokenness. He'll bind you up. He'll protect you. He'll defend you and he'll be with you forever. I get to tell good news every single time I get to preach. It's one of the reasons I love to preach so much. But do you realize that as followers of Jesus, we shouldn't just reserve the good news for sermons or for Sunday school lessons? Folks, when you and I speak the gospel, we speak life. We speak life-giving words to people who desperately need to hear it. I'm going to tell you something. We may live in a churched place, but we don't live in a place where the gospel is communicated enough. There's no place on planet earth where people hear the gospel regularly enough. I don't care if it's Wilkes County, I care if it's North Carolina, the buckle of the Bible belt. People need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. They need to hear the gospel. They need to hear that there's forgiveness. They need to hear that there's hope. They need to hear that there's joy in Jesus Christ. They need to hear that there is a presence that comes with a relationship with Jesus that can only come if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. They need to hear the gospel. Some of you in this moment know somebody who needs to hear the gospel this week. There's a neighbor. There's a family member. There's a child. There's a teenager. There's a co-worker. You know somebody who needs to hear the gospel. Here's the big assignment. The big assignment is for you to speak life to them this week. I'm asking you to take a huge, giant leap of bold faith and look for someone this week. Go to that person this week And just tell them the gospel. Say, what do I tell them? Well, tell them what Jesus has done. Who Jesus is, that he loves them and he died on the cross for their sins. If you don't know where to go next or what to say next, say this. Say, listen, I love you and God loves you more. And I want to tell you that you can have eternal life. And just see where that goes. And say, well, I don't know how to tell anymore. Well, that's enough. Invite them to watch church. They're going to hear the gospel if they watch us online. They're going to hear the gospel if they come. But tell them what you know. What you know is sufficient to bring life to people. Do you know how I know that what you know is sufficient to bring life to people? Because when you speak the gospel, you speak words that do miracles. Have you ever thought about where words come from? They come from God. Have you ever thought about where the word begins? Have you ever thought about this? In the beginning, God said... The very first thing that God did or is described as doing in Scripture is speaking. You know what he said? He said, let there be light. And guess what? Bang, there was light. And then he spoke the days into existence. And he spoke the elements into existence. And he spoke the created order into existence. He spoke and there it was. God's words bring life. Quoted in the New Testament, the book of John. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word that John describes there is Jesus. The Bible describes Jesus as the Word of God, the description of God, the the reality of God, in a way that we can relate to Him and that we can know Him. 
And then you move over to what Jesus said, some of what Jesus said. We could spend hours on sermons of just what Jesus said, but he speaks in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Jesus, when he spoke the gospel of the kingdom, is speaking words that bring us from death to life. I'm going to tell you something. When we repeat the words of Jesus, when we repeat the words of God, whether it's in our songs or our sermons, or whether it's in our prayers, or whether it is is us just conversing with someone else, we're speaking words that God has used to do miracles and bringing people salvation, eternal life, the world coming into existence, and Jesus redeeming people. We're speaking words of life. And you never know how a word aptly spoken, a right word at the right time, the good news of Jesus, can bring someone from death to life. We illustrated this way as I close. In the 1930s, uh, many of the Jews in Germany were trying to get out. They were trying to evacuate uh, Germany. They were trying to become refugees in other places because they could see the changing philosophy and the changing laws uh, that would bring German hatred toward the Jews. And one mother was trying to secure visas to get out of the country. She lived in a village outside Berlin, and so she made the trek in the 1930s, early 1930s to Berlin to sit in a room with, a, with a, a several German bureaucrats and hundreds of other Jews to sit in the room waiting to hear that she had an opportunity to request a visa. So she got uh, on, a, on a train and she went to Berlin and she made her way up the stairs into that room with hundreds of others and she sat down and she waited and she waited and she waited. I guess it was a lot like our DMV. She, she waited and she waited and she waited and nothing happened. Someone got up at the end of the workday and said, there are no more visas to be given out today. You need to go home. So everybody got up and they left and she didn't have anywhere to go. She didn't live there. And so she took what little money she had and she found a, a hotel room and she stayed there for the night. And, and, and she went back bright and early the next morning with hundreds of others to sit in that same crowded room waiting on those same bureaucrats to make the same decisions about visas. And she sat there and she sat there all day long. Got to the end of the day and another bureaucrat got up and said, I'm sorry, there are no more visas. Everybody needs to go home. And the room erupted with frustration and, and argumentation and, and criticisms. And I can't believe we sat here all day and nothing happened. And Sarah got up. And she wended her way through the crowd. She made her way to the bureaucrat that was sitting at the desk. And she looked down at him and she said, Thank you all for being here all day. I appreciate the work that you've done. She turned around. She walked out of the room, down the steps, only to have that bureaucrat that she had spoken kindly to her, to her, to run and catch her by the arm and say, here are the only visas that I have. You take them and you get out of the country. And she went out of the country with her family. She was able to escape Europe and rescue her family because of an apt word at the right time at the right situation. Folks, as we walk out of here today, as we go into our relationships and our jobs and our businesses and our homes, let's speak life, not death. Stand with me if you will. Heavenly Father,
Oh, we mess up so often with our lips. Speak out of turn, speak critically, speak lies, speak dishonestly, and go on and on. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have offered us forgiveness through the cross for our words not aptly spoken. Lord God, every single one of us is here. Here is a follower of Jesus. Is here because someone spoke the gospel to us. A mom or a dad, a neighbor, a co-worker, a Sunday school teacher, a pastor. Somebody spoke the gospel to us. And you spoke it in our hearts and you redeemed us. Lord God, I pray that you would help us as your people, as your followers, as those who care about you and as those who want to obey you. I pray that you would help us to speak life and not death. Father, for those that are outside of this room that will hear words of life this week, from those that are inside this room, I pray that you would prepare their hearts to receive the good news and follow Jesus. I pray, Heavenly Father, for those outside this room that are going to be spoken to by people inside this room, I pray, Lord, that they'll get the encouragement that they need from the words that you're going to lead us to speak. I pray, Heavenly Father, that this week when we mess up, when we blow it, when we tell a lie, when we speak death in whatever capacity, I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would speak to our hearts in conviction and you would bring us in the spirit of our heart to our knees in a moment of confession and contrition. And, Lord, help us remember that you died on the cross so that the words of our lips that are sinful and evil can be forgiven and cleansed. And I pray, Lord, that you make us as followers of Jesus people who speak to this world life, words of life that will bring salvation and eternal life to people who desperately need forgiveness and salvation. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Remember to like and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.